by saying this. I was thinking this morning about Samson while we were in worship. And as I was considering Samson and then considering where I was this last week at the conference I was at, and then considering the message that Holy Spirit has given me, um, let me back up. Let me say it this way. So those of you that don't know, Last week was what the world calls Easter. We don't call it that. We call it Resurrection Sunday, or we call it, you can call it whatever you want to. I don't like the term Easter because Easter is the name of the Greek goddess Estre. And uh, I'm not interested in associating my God with a Greek God. And uh, so we don't do that. But we do rejoice in the resurrection. We do celebrate the resurrection of Christ. We do not do eggs. Um, I ate them this morning, but uh, I do not do anything else with them. But what I will tell you is last week during the service, I sent out the Rock investigative reporting team. And they went out with a camera and they went out with a microphone and they went out among our community during church time. And they went wherever they went. I haven't seen the video yet. I saw about a 30 second clip. That was it. So it's a five minute video. But they went out and about and they interviewed people and they asked them why are you not in church today? It's Easter. Why would you not go? What purpose? And the responses are what we're going to see in just a few moments. Um, Their responses, what they mean to them. The reason that it was in me to ask them to do this is because for years, for a long time, forever, even this morning, I do it every week. When I'm driving to church on Sunday morning and I see people walking their dog sitting on a park bench, doing whatever. But they're not headed to church. They haven't found it important enough to take a shower and get ready to go and fellowship with other believers. Every week it grieves me. It literally does. Every week I think, why? What happened in their life that would make them decide it's just not important enough? Were they not taught? Did they not grow up in a home that taught them That it's important, the gathering of believers, the significance, the growth that comes from that. Do they not know about Christ? Do they know about Christ and somehow they were let down or disappointed because of a preacher, a friend, a family member, whoever it might have been, and and decided that he's just not worth it? Why are they not there? So that is why I sent out the investigative reporting team. Go find out. What would make you stay away on this accepted, most important day of the church world on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, what happened or for what reason would you not be present to celebrate Christ? So they did this. And out of that, I wanted to teach, I'm going to teach today. But prior to that, I want to say this, as we were singing this morning, and I was thinking about the video that we're all going to watch for the first time, with the exception of just the 30-second clip that I saw. I just want to keep inserting that so that you don't think I'm telling a fib. But, um, But other than that, I have no idea what we're going to see. But I was thinking as we were singing this morning about Samson, and I was thinking about some of the people that I have been with recently, church leaders and what have you. And as I was considering them just standing here this morning and we were singing these songs and we were worshiping the Father and I was reflecting on the people that I saw walking down the street this morning on my way here and realizing, to be honest, that some of them, you know, they go to church on Saturday night or they go whenever. 
or they were there early. I understand that. There are some. But I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about Samson and I'm thinking about the visual of Samson standing between two pillars. You know the story how Delilah ended up, he gave away the truth and she cut his hair and he lost the strength that the father had given him. And, and, uh, and then he was, his eyes were put out and he was imprisoned. And then some years later, he was taken to the temple to be entertainment for the Philistines. And to be that entertainment, they stood him between two pillars. He says to a young man that's standing beside him, he said, son, are there two pillars beside me? His hair had grown out again. He said, are there pillars beside me anywhere near me? He said, yes, sir. He said, could you put my hands on those pillars, those columns? Yes, sir. He took one hand, put it on the column to his left. Took the other hand, pull it on, put it on the column to his right. And then Samson cried out to the father and he said, father, he said, if just this last time, just one more time, would you give me the strength that you breathed into me so many years ago. And one last time, let me honor you by destroying everything that dishonors you. And he pressed against those columns until that entire building and temple collapsed and there were more people killed on that day than in all of his ministry, than in all of his life in one day. More were destroyed on that day. And as I begin to consider that and I'm thinking about that this morning and I'm reflecting on why... Did Samson on that day say to the young man, in my mind, you got to keep in mind, I'm a, my mind is analytical, man. I, when I think about kingdom things, I'm diving deep into it. I don't take anything at surface value. So I'm diving deep and I'm trying to sort it out and I'm thinking, you know what, why, why on this day did he say, young man, is there a column near me? Place my hands upon it. Because his hair was long. His hair didn't get long that morning. He didn't wake up and suddenly he wasn't bald anymore. His hair had been growing for a very long time. Believe me, I tried to grow mine out. All five of them. <laughs> so his hair was already long. And I thought to myself this morning, I thought, why in the world did Samson wait until that moment to ask the father for what the father had already given him? I don't believe that God answered his prayer that day so that he could knock those columns down. God answered Solomon's prayer, or not Solomon, Samson's prayer. God answered Samson's prayer the day he said to him, you will be a Nazarite from your birth. And no blade will come to your hair. And as long as no blade comes to your hair, I will give you strength no man knows. God spoke and delivered his word to Samson on that day, to his mom and daddy on that day, on that day. So the glory of the Lord was present in Samson's willingness to let his hair be free and liberated from restriction. I believe when Samson was churning at the mill, pushing that rod and grinding the corn and the wheat. When he was out there tethered to the oxen, plowing the fields as a slave, his hair had been shorn. And as he's moving through there and he's sweating and he's, he's working with all these other slaves, knowing that he's a child of God, his hair has grown out, but he still keeps pushing the plow. He still keeps churning at the mill. He still keeps lifting the chaff. 
and separating it from the grain. He continues to work for the slaveholder. He continues to work and be restricted, be governed by that that does not honor God, by those who do not honor God. Why is it that Samson did not recognize after a season where his hair grew, why did he not recognize, I had my hair back and the glory of the Lord is found in that and I'm stepping away from the plow and I'm stepping away from the mill and I'm going to again begin the journey that God called me to do and I'm going to fulfill the purpose that God called me to fulfill and I will not be restricted because my hair was cut yesterday but today it is back. I wonder how many among us continue to see ourselves bald-headed when indeed the glory of the Lord has returned again. But we've not recognized, we've not accepted, nor have we received the glory of the Lord in our lives. We've not received the anointing of the Lord in our lives. We've not received the word of the Lord in our lives because of the restrictions that are on us because people all around us tell us. Once it is over, it is over. But in the mind of God, there's no such thing as over. In the mind of God, there is the beginning. There's new. There's healing. There's salvation. So as I picture Samson standing between those columns and dying, along with those Philistines on that day, I think to myself, Samson, you gave away your life, thinking that it was glorious that more died on that day than all the other years of your life, when the truth is you could have been more than a one-day deliverer. You were not created for a single day. You were created, Samson, to change nations. You came up short. I know that we celebrate Samson. Woo! Killed all those people. We celebrate Samson, and rightfully so. I'm thankful that he recognized at least at that point. I missed it. I missed an opera. I could have done this yesterday, the day before, the day before that. I'm thankful that at some point he came and he realized, I've missed it. So let me get it right now. But man, what if he had started earlier? I'm asking you today. What if some of the things I'm about to talk about we had started before now? The only thing that we can do about what we've missed in the past is to repent of it in the present and let Him make our tomorrow fuller than our today. So join with me this morning as we go on this journey about why people would rather be somewhere else. Everybody say, they'd rather be somewhere else. Wherever that somewhere else is. So, have you ever wondered why when you're driving to church, like me, like when you're driving to church on Sunday morning, that other people are walking their dog, sitting on a park bench or mowing their lawn? Has it ever bothered anybody else? You're driving and it, did it bother you before it bothered me, before I said it publicly? It bothers me every time. Every week. I'm driving through our neighborhood. I tell you this just about every week. I'm driving through our neighborhood. I see this, Just this morning I saw this couple, young couple, walking their little... Uh, it was an ugly dog, actually. But they're walking this little ugly, long dog, or whatever you call those wiener dogs. And um, 
They're walking this little wiener dog. It's funny because when those dogs turn a corner, their front legs turn a corner five minutes before their back leg. And um, so they're walking down the road, and I'm just looking over at them, at them, and I'm thinking, man, the potential. Wow, the potential. That's being missed because your hair's cut. Because you think you're bald-headed. You think there's no glory in you. There's no anointing in you. But I'm going to tell you something today. Every person in the world, if they're breathing air, the anointing of God is in them. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is this. Obviously, the first thing is one has received Christ, one hasn't. But upon receiving Christ, we come to the revelation and the understanding that He's working in us and He has anointed us. We see and we understand what we were created for. An unbeliever has no idea. They're blind to the possibilities. They're blind to the potential. They're blind to what it might be that the Father wants to do in them and all of the earth. Because I can tell you that your calling is not restricted to the person to your right or to the person to your left. Your calling is not restricted to the members of your household. Your calling is not restricted to those who gather with you around the water cooler at work. But I see this every Sunday. And I walk up and down, I drive up and down these roads and I see them just doing this and I wonder, maybe they went to church last night and I try to justify it and I think, man, I'm seeing too many people. There's no way. If they went to church last night, every church in the city would be filled. All these people. And it bothers me every single week. So what I wanted to do was I asked this team to go out and I asked them to get this video. Find out. Let's see what these answers are. I'm going to find out with you because I don't know what their answers are. And then we're going to take a little journey. And we're going to process some things the Holy Spirit gave me. So let's start that video. Give your eyes and attention, please, to the screen. All right. So um, what are we doing today? Well, we're asking people if they're going to church today. And then depending on their answer, we're going to ask them why or why not. Well, my name's Sam, by the way. Hey, Sam. I'm Jeff. Jeff, nice to meet you. So we're just asking people if they're planning to go to church today at all. No. No? Can I ask you why? Uh, Jewish, and I don't really, haven't gone to temple since like sixth grade. Okay, yeah. So you grew up, you grew up like that? Your family was all Jewish and everything? Yeah, yeah, Jewish. You know, we went to, again, we went to temple when we were young, and then just kind of stopped. Is it ever something that you think that you might have an interest of getting back into, whether it's temple or even trying, like you said, your dad's Catholic, maybe trying to more, like the Christian route? Yeah, no, I mean, religion's never really been a thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, it just hasn't been something I've sought out or wanted or needed. Okay, so do you plan on going to church today or, or no? No. No? Do you mind if I ask why? I would say why because, well, I feel like everybody has to have some sort of authority when it comes down to being in some sort of cultural religion. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you have a, we have a personal relationship with God. It's not always for everyone to see or hear. Um, it's not everybody has the prayed up spirit or enough to lay hands on someone because you can lay hands on someone and pray for them but that doesn't mean your spirit is praying for them as well you know not everybody's laying hands are the right laying hands at all Mm -hmm. so I believe that you know every relationship with God should be private and you know your relationship and it's really all that matters yeah yeah is this something that you'd ever consider maybe going sometimes or things just for the being around people who maybe 
could add to you or maybe you'd be able to add to them, you know, with your relationship being strong? I believe sometimes when you make certain connections with certain people, yes, mm -hmm. I do believe so. Sometimes you need to hear that word in order for you to understand whatever your situation that you're going through or they may have a better understanding of or been through that same situation that you're going through to have some side of guidance. So I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with creating a relationship with another Christian or whatever religion that you're in to kind of compare, get advice from each other or pick up from each other because the only way you're gonna be able to learn is picking up from the next person, whether it's a friend, stranger, family or whatever it is. Awesome, well thank you for your time. All right, we good? I'm good. All right, so I, was, I just want to ask you a question. If are you planning on going to church, or why aren't you in church today? Not what is today? No. Yeah, not not today. Okay, so what has what has led you to a point where you don't go to church regularly? Well, I used to go to church before, but the way the world's living today, uh, I see that the too many church they 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 say no that's they they talking about God, Jesus, different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and and that confused the word. I'll tell you what, not me, the yeah. word. Yeah. yeah. So my name is Sam by the way. But uh, so did you go to church anywhere today for no. Easter? No. And you might be asking why? Just don't go. Just don't go. No reason. You think you ever somebody could say ever do go to church or I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I appreciate you. Can we ask, can we ask why not? Huh? Can we ask why not? I don't still have the interest in it. Yeah. I don't oh. think churches are what they used to be. Yeah. yeah, I went as a kid, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I don't go anymore. I just don't think they are what they used to be. Have you, what have you seen change from when you were younger to, to now? I mean, obviously a ton, but what are some of those things? I don't know. I just don't think people had the same morals that they used to yeah. have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate it, brother. Okay, Thank you yeah. so much for your time. Right, for time. Yep. Thank you. But what would you say to somebody to... I'd have to speak only for myself. Yeah. Somebody who, who, who reads and, yeah. you know, does my morning meditation. You know what? I mean, there's really no excuse. Mm. Some people don't go to church anymore because they feel there's a detachment. Probably from the teachings. I yeah. have a friend who believes that. Yeah. And he's, he's all about God. But I mean, he yeah. just kind of losing faith in the teachings of the church. Yeah. That's a reason. Yeah. Some people will say they're too busy, but you're never really too busy. Right. Probably laziness. Right. Because it's more accessible now, right? Yeah. You got it online. We were just talking about that I this morning. Yeah. So you can do Zoom. I had a friend that was visiting, but she still went to her church online. Yeah. And she's from a po-down small town yeah. in yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. So Every church is doing their online right. thing, so you right. can still go to your church right. even when you're not there. So yeah. that's another thing, technology. Yeah. Technology and the you, the truth is just being getting watered down, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Some people's yeah. perception yeah. of why they may not attend church. Right. Absolutely. And then there's people like me, and I'll be honest, yeah. it's just laziness. It's yeah. just The discipline to get yourself. Yeah. Go worship a group, but I'll go to church if I feel like I need group worship because we all need that yeah time. corporate yeah corporate, but for yeah. the most part you know it's just it is what it is yeah well well done well you get a real good idea um you know as uh, just a couple of points i'm thinking you know one person said uh christianity christianity should be private 
Uh, another person said church isn't what it used to be, um, at least for them. Another one, there's no morals. There's no more morals in the church. Why, why should I go to the church? You could interpret a lot. I want to address some of these things today because we have a responsibility. Part of the problem with the church is that the church answers so many questions that no one's asking. The church, answer, church tries to answer too many questions people aren't asking. To stand up and to preach a message or to say some things or to teach in a class or whatever it is that we might do is answering questions no one cares about. Often. Way too often. Now understand that there's a need for us if you're in leadership and you're, certainly if you're preaching and you're teaching, we need to hear the voice of God and we need to believe that we're discerning what it is that He wants us to release to the church. But I believe if we're hearing His voice, we're going to be speaking to some things, that, some questions in people's lives and people's hearts. But when we're caught up in methods, when we're caught up in ways that are no longer current, no one's paying attention to, no one's watching, people aren't going to listen and they aren't going to ask questions. When we get caught up in rules and legalism, we get caught up in things that do not... Now, there's a difference between rules, legalism, and righteousness. Don't, don't, don't misinterpret me. But again, we're answering questions no one's asking. So when they hear so much that is said, whether it be me, whether it be you, whether it be someone else, they hear so much that is said, it just goes in and it goes right out and they're thinking, this is irrelevant to me. It's so irrelevant to me. Why, why would I want to come back to this? It's so irrelevant to me. But what happens when we start answering questions people are asking? Shouldn't church, shouldn't Christianity be a private thing? Well, I have an answer for that. Shouldn't there be morals found within the body of Christ? Well, I have an answer for that. Is it important that we gather together, or is it, is it just okay that we sit at home and watch online? I'll, I have an answer for that, and I'll tell you right now. If you're able to be somewhere, be somewhere. Gather together with other believers. Online church should not be your first option. And we do it to a lot of people right now, a lot of people watching online right now. Thank you for watching, but I hope you're only watching because you have nowhere else to be, to go. You couldn't get there today. But we answer these questions that no one's asking and because we keep, and what that does is you might as well be vomiting from the pulpit. No one's partaking of what you're giving. No one's making a draw. There's no life in it, no nutrients in it, nothing fresh in it. Everything is spoiled, rotten, stinks, isn't changing anybody's life. Because what's become common, what's become predominant in the church world today is doing whatever we need to do to look the flashiest, look the coolest, be the whatever. I say that as I'm wearing my Garth Brooks outfit today. <laughs> but I'm not wearing this to impress you. I'm wearing it because my wife bought me the vest, my brother-in-law bought me the shirt, I bought the jeans, and I just like the outfit. I really don't care if you do. (laughs) 
But how do we reach a people that have those perspectives? First of all, what we do is we ask people. I love Christ, and of course. hope you do too. I think he's like, like the most awesome person ever. But I love when he went to the disciples, and this happened n- numerous times throughout the Second Testament. I love his approach to things. And when he went to the disciples and he said, Who do men say that I am, Peter? Tell me. I need to know. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're this, some say you're that. Okay. Thanks for the information. I'm none of those, but who do you say that I am? What I want to do is I want to answer the right question. Who do you say that I am? I believe that you're Christ, the Son of the living God, Redeemer of the world, bringing hope and salvation to all mankind that will receive you. Wow. Peter, let me address what you just said. On that revelation, on that rock, upon that revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, on that revelation, I'll build my church. I'll build my church on the revelation, on those who can see and those who will hear and those who will ask the right questions. I can answer those questions, but I need to know what the questions are. Christ asks questions. People ask questions. We've got to give them answers. And right now the church isn't giving people answers. We give them scripture. We give them prayer times. We give them service times. We give them apps. We give them bit.ly links. We give them Twitter. We give them Instagram. But are we giving them Christ? In all of that, are we giving them Christ? And if not, how do we change this? Listen, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. I think I've demonstrated. I hope I've demonstrated over the years I'm willing to change where change is necessary. If Holy Spirit makes me aware that a change needs to be made, I'll make it in a day and let you know about it next week. But there's people out there today walking around buying bananas at Walmart while we're lifting our hands and worshiping God. There's people out there casting a worm into Lake Monroe while we're sitting here preparing ourselves to be a voice, to be a demonstration, to be a sign and a wonder when we leave. So being a believer isn't just about being a believer. Being a believer is about being a testimony and being a witness, being a demonstration, not because of how many heads I knock. Have you received Jesus Christ? Why not? You notice none of these guys went out there and said, have you received Christ? What good is it to ask them if they've received Christ before we even find out why in the world they're not going to church? Two of them used to go, no longer go. Why? Because something happened in that church. The Christ in them got confused with whoever stood before them. Grieves me. How many people did you see on your way here this morning? 
I mean, I'm not looking for an out loud answer, but just think about it for a second. How many people did you see on your way here this morning? How many in here saw five people on your way driving to the church this morning, just down the side of the road? Five people. How many saw more than five? Anybody see more than five? Anybody see anybody on a park bench mowing the grass, walking the dog, yelling at their wife or husband? Don't, don't confess this morning. How did it make you feel? Again, I'm not, this is rhetorical. How did it make you feel? Wow, man, those people are, because you can come at it from very different angles. You could say, wow, man, look at those people. Man, they're, they're playing basketball at the park in, in, in Sanford. Man, they're out there playing. Man, I wish I was playing basketball. <laughs> you could feel that. Oh, my wife's making me go to church. I'd rather be out there throwing the ball. Me and Spalding are tight, man. I want to get out there and put the ball in the hoop. You could have looked at it and you could have said, why are they there? Why are they there? What happened in their life? Or what didn't happen in their life? That they find it easy to be there. I would even ask among the church today, there's times, and, and listen, this is not about condemnation. This is about awakening. So please don't receive anything that I might say this morning as condemnation. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just throwing out some facts and truths. And, and everybody do with it what you want to. But I mean, I often wonder sometimes. I, I, I hear some of the lamest excuses why people don't show up to church here on Sunday morning. Well, I didn't get into bed till 1 o'clock. And whose fault is that? God's? You made what you were doing until 1 o'clock in the morning more important than your gathering together at 10 a.m. Well, you know, I just, just didn't feel like it today. I just got up and, and, you know, I was just thinking about all that I had to do and blah, 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 blah. Well, what you didn't think about was what the Father might have wanted you to do, what He might have used you for. But I'm going to tell you something. The kingdom of God won't become important to people outside the church until it becomes very important to the people in it. The kingdom of God will never be a priority to people out there. When it isn't a priority to people in here. Is anybody hearing me today? So let me just inject this, if I may. If you're following along in my notes, this isn't in there. Do away with excuses. Do away with the reasons why you can't be. And say, Holy Spirit, fill me with the reasons why I will be. So... Seeing those people doesn't make you sad, doesn't make you curious. What does it make you feel when you look at them? You have no thought at all. What about, you know, when we're driving down the road and we look at these people and we see them on the side of the road and, there's, and, and it doesn't, we just don't even think about it. It's like, I don't, it doesn't bother me that they don't go to church and it doesn't bother me that they do. I just let them live their own life. So when I ask how does it make you feel, maybe perhaps the answer to that question is... Um, your answer to that question is where we should begin, how it makes you feel. If you or me or you or I, if either of us, any of us, find ourselves in a position where it doesn't bother us and it's neither here nor there, it's irrelevant whether they're at the park or they're in a church and we've taken the position of, you know what, the church is a gathering and, you know, we get a little food there but then we go home and it's like no big deal. If we take that position, that's a problem. Because if gathering isn't important to us, there's no way it will ever be important to them. And if it isn't important to this generation right now under the sound of my voice, the children you are raising will find it even less important than you. They will take 
every one excuse that you have to not be a part. And they will turn it into five excuses to not be a part. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? So how we feel about something. It bothers me that they're not going. I think about why they're not going. It doesn't bother me that they're not going. How we feel about something determines what we do about something. If I feel grieved that people, they have every right to walk their dog. They have every right to sit on a park bench. They have every right to do whatever it is that they're doing. Go to the beach, wherever it is that they're at. They have every right to do any of those things. They have every right to do those things. This is true, right? They can do whatever they want. You can do whatever you want. You chose to be here this morning. Thank you. But they can do whatever they want. They have every single right. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm going to feel something about their choices. And because I love God so much, and I do, Because I believe in the kingdom of God so much, and I can tell you, I do, and I have since I got saved on July the 8th, 1985. Because I'm passionate about the purpose of God and His ever-increasing kingdom in all of the earth, it bothers me when I see somebody, so I can tell you that how I feel about that will determine what I do about that, and what I'm doing about that is what we're doing right now. This is a response to the feeling that I have every time I see people walking down the road on a Sunday morning knowing that they could be somewhere where their entire life could be changed. Instead, they're elevating their cardio. So again, how we feel about something determines what we do about something. If I look and I'm inconclusive and I see people and it doesn't even bother me, And I'm hoping that you're seeing them on the way to or from. If you're seeing them in the middle when you're not at church, you're doing something. You're doing what you feel. I don't feel like being there. But if on your way it's inconclusive and you're like, you know, it's neither here nor there, you'll do nothing. You will have no sense of responsibility to be a part of the ever-increasing kingdom of God. Say that with me, the ever-increasing kingdom of God. Do you believe this morning that the Father is all about the ever-increasing kingdom of God? He is not about diminishing. He is about increasing in every area of your life. And the strength of the kingdom of God in the earth is determined by the strength of the believers found within it. But obviously when we see people that are outside the church and they're not a part of it, and these people that we witnessed this morning, obviously they'd rather be somewhere else. I'd rather be buying bananas. I'd rather be doing whatever it is. I'd rather be at the beach. I'd rather be on the boat. I'd rather be in the Airbnb, whatever it is. I'd rather be somewhere else, just not the church. Lord, have mercy. Don't let me. I said to a man this past week, I invited him to come last week. I invited him to come. He said, I couldn't begin to walk into that church because the roof would fall down on me. This is a man that my wife and I have come to know over the last two years that's helping us with a project. And and he said, I could never begin to come into your church because the walls, the roof would fall down on me. In fact, any time that something goes on that's difficult for him, he will say to me, he will say, I need you to ask your God to do such and such and such. It's always my God. And he he will, in a phone call or a text... Can you ask your God to whatever? 
So last week when I said, why don't you come today? Sit on the back row. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. He said, Lord, I couldn't do that because the roof would fall on my head. It'd fall on the building. And I said, I promise you it won't. It's built well. It won't. What I will tell you, though, is you'll never be the same. Well, if you'll come, uh, sir, if you'll come one time, you will never be the same. Well, you can just talk to your God. My heart goes out to those people. And I'm going to tell you, I don't give up. Because I believe that the God that redeemed me is the same God that can redeem him. And I believe that the God that redeemed me and he has made things about the kingdom very important to me. The kingdom of God, I don't take lightly. No part of it. Not the gathering together with other believers so that I can be built up and I can be a part of building up. I don't take that lightly. I don't take the tithe and offering lightly. I don't take worship lightly. I don't take reading Scripture lightly. When I think of the kingdom of God, I take every part of it very seriously. And I think, Lord, Father, I'm telling you today, if everybody could lay hold of it and see it like I see it, we'd change the whole earth. But obviously there are people that would rather be somewhere else. Not only do they want to not want to be at your church, they don't want to be at any church. So it isn't just about the rock. No one asked them, hey, why aren't you at the rock this, this week? Every person that Sam or AJ asked, every one of them was, why aren't you at church? It doesn't matter what church. Why aren't you at church? Whether it's Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominational, Catholic, Presbyterian, Nazarene, this or thing or that or thing. Whatever it might be, why aren't you at church? And you heard every answer that they gave. And for every single person that we would talk to, if we'd have gone to 30 people, we would have had 30 different answers. Because they have their reasons. What they don't need is a reason to stay out of the kingdom of God. We need to be giving them a reason to be a part of the kingdom of God. Should we be concerned? Yes, I believe we should. You and I, we've been given a mission and a mandate to share the gospel. And it is not okay to keep it hidden. That doesn't mean that by sharing the gospel, we go out there, as I've said before in times past, that we take a Bible and we beat people over the heads with it. We don't go out there and we don't make sure that everybody knows how hard we pray or how many tears we can cry or how emotional we can get. We don't go out there and say, I can lift my hands higher than you. Watch how much I worship and love God. But we are a light in very dark places. Our message is very different than their message. But it's the same message that the Father's been releasing releasing since the beginning of time. Today, believers are trying to be the Paul of 37 AD instead of being Rick of 2023. Trying to be Jesus of 33 A.D. instead of being Susan of 2023. What do I mean by that? These two things are certain. The message, the gospel, will never change. But the methods do. The methods do. And when I say the believers are trying to be Paul of 37 A.D. instead of being Rick of 2023 When I say that, what I'm talking about is there's too much of the church world today that have allowed methods to become the gospel 
instead of the gospel determining the method. We let our ways... My wife and I were in a church. I told you this when I, we were evangelizing. It's been a while, but we were evangelizing in a church up north years ago. And my daughter had a necklace on. She was four years old. Kaylee, wasn't she four? No, she was a baby. She was a baby, but had a necklace on. Yeah, with her passy on. Yeah, she had a necklace with her passy hanging on it, mind you. Man, she loved that passy. I was doing a revival meeting at this particular church. And in that church, started on Sunday morning. I preached Sunday morning. I preached Sunday night. I think Monday night, maybe Tuesday night, but Monday night for sure. The pastor came to me after service. It was an incredible meeting, but the, the pastor came, I thought, we thought. And the pastor came to me after service, and he said, I want to extend the meeting because I was only scheduled to be there through Wednesday. He said, I'd like to extend the meeting through the next weekend, whatever that was. Can you do that? And I said, I, I can. And I will be happy to. And I love preaching then as much as I love preaching now. Whatever night this was, maybe that was Sunday night and or whatever, it doesn't matter. It was an evening. The next day we get up, he had already asked to extend the meeting, but that was before I preached the following, the previous night. Before he saw my daughter with a necklace and a passy. Keep in mind, I didn't know what their laws were. I didn't know what their rules were. I didn't know to what extent they were bound or not. So the next morning, I get a call in the hotel. Um, evangelist, can you come to my office, please? Sure. Come along. Okay. <laughs> I get in the van and drive to the church. I go into the church and come into my office and everything. So, I mean, the night before he was like, oh man, God is doing such amazing things. He's, you're, you're releasing a word and people are getting saved and this, this is incredible. We want to extend this meeting through the next weekend. And oh, I was so excited. And all of a sudden it was like, follow me. I go back into his office, have a seat, cross from his desk and I see he's got a notepad there. It's three pages of notes. And he, I have no idea where this is going. I just know that there's been a sudden change in personality. I didn't, <laughs> that was concerning all by itself, but something changed. And I'm sitting there and he said, uh, I need you to stand before the people tonight and repent to them. And I said, for what? And he said, your daughter was wearing jewelry in the house of God. And I sat there like this. First of all, I'm trying to remember what jewelry she had on. I'm thinking she's four years old. It's not like she's Bathsheba. And I just looked at him and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said she had a necklace on. We do not allow jewelry in this church. I'm looking at his hand. He's got a wedding ring on. I probably had a necklace on. He just didn't know it because at the time we wore ties everywhere. And I said, I'm, I'm not repenting for that. 
He said, well, we've extended the meeting and I need you to stand before the people tonight and to acknowledge that that is not right. And I said, it's not going to happen. I said, I will not stand before the people and acknowledge that because that is your law, not God's law. And he said, if you do not do that, then you cannot preach the rest of the week. I said, it's up to you. I'll go home today. He said, I need you to come tonight. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to repent for you. And how many people has that worked for? He said, I want you to preach tonight. So bottom line is, we agreed to do this. I was going to preach, and then he was going to do something, whatever he wanted to do at the end of service. But man, I stood up in that pulpit, and I preached, and I talked about the truths of God, knowing what was coming. And I talked about the truths of God, and then I didn't let him put words in my mouth. I said, this is my last service here. And I'm going to tell you why it's my last service here. Because we do not agree on doctrine. I was invited here under the auspice that it was the word of the Lord that I come. And when I brought the truth, suddenly the word of the Lord didn't matter anymore. Not to me, but to others. So this is my last message in this house. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. I hope you will hear and receive what you have heard. Your pastor has some things he wants to say. That's exactly what I did. And I sat down on the front row with my wife. And he stood up and, well, well, you know, um, there's just some disagreements, so he's not going to be able to come back. And we left. I say all that because of this. He was operating on 37 A.D. methods and trying to cram a 20 or 1993 message into it. That's what was happening. I can tell you today, if we think for a second, again, keep in mind the message never does change. The message is as sure and pure today as it was the first day that God sent it. Hear me when I say this. Well, let me, let me say it this way. Well, no, let me say this. The message that Noah received was the same message that Moses received was the same message that Samuel received. Was the same message that Christ received. Was the same message that Peter, James, and John received. Was the same message that Paul received. But the methods for each one were entirely different. For Noah, it was a boat. For Moses, it was a staff. For Samuel, it was leadership. For Christ, it was salvation and deliverance. For Peter, James, and John, it was a voice. For Paul, it was a demonstration. I'm telling you today, the message will never change, but the methods always will. And the message will determine what the methods are. 
So if we think for a second that we're going to reach that young lady that matters to God, by the way, that we're going to reach that man that matters to God, if we think for a second we're going to reach whoever was on that video and all the people out there that we didn't ask the question, why aren't you in church? If we think for a second we're going to reach those people and we do not alter the method by trusting the message. They're always going to be buying bananas at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And they're always going to be walking their dog and they're always going to be floating on their boat when they could be gathering with other believers and, and allowing God to unite them in mind and in spirit so that He could grow the church and there would be a demonstration of an ever-increasing kingdom of God. Psalm 18.2 says this, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He is my God. He is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield. He is the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. Is He all of that to you and me? Yes. And He is all of that. To anyone who will receive Him, that message will never, ever change. It doesn't matter if someone says, I'm Catholic and hasn't even been to church or Jewish and doesn't even... They're Jewish and don't even participate. I heard a preacher say something one time that, man, I thought, that's so true. He said he's met so many people that would rather be Baptist than saved. What did he mean by that? It was more important. And not just Baptist, but any denomination. It's more important for people to say, I'm a part of this and I'm a part of that, rather than say, I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. God. Yahweh God. I'm a child of the Most High God. There's not another above Him nor beside Him. Not even another one living today. What am I identified with? I'm identified with the Father and I'm identified with His Son, Jesus Christ, who opened the doorway so that I could access everything that the Father made available to you and me. So what do you do with this teaching that I'm releasing to you today? I'm going to give you three things and it's in your notes. I want you to pray that Yahweh, God, will remove the crust of ancient ways from your mind. We all need, Father, remove the crust of ancient ways from our mind. We're trying to do a 33 A.D. message in 2023. They didn't wear the same clothes. Noah didn't wear the same clothes that Peter, James, and John did. But man, we're going to lay that burden on people today. Is anybody hearing me today? So what do we do about our methods? We'll get to that. Let's get to that in a second. Pray, Father, remove the crust of ancient ways from my mind. And then cling to the message. I summarized it in Psalm 18 too. Be willing to change the method you function in. And don't see Christ in the methods. See Him rather in vulnerability and then action. Then that becomes the way He wants to move. He's not in the method, He's in the message, but He uses the method to move us from this place to that place.